Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Quality people, welcome back to our show. This is episode number 51 of the Healthcare Quality Cast, powered by the Quality Coaching Company. I am your host, Jarvis Gray, and I am excited to share with you all that I am finally heading back home to South Florida to attend the 2020 Applied Data Visualization Healthcare Conference in Fort Lauderdale. I'm really excited about this conference, you guys. This will be my first time ever attending, but I have to admit that the speaker list is truly impressive. Topics will cover all areas of healthcare data management, project management and prioritization, analytics, visualization, population healthcare, and so much more. I was approached a few months back by the planning committee to join and moderate several discussions for this event. And again, any opportunity to head back home is basically an automatic yes for me. I look forward to sharing feedback with you all later, and I apologize for not highlighting this sooner, but please do check out the website for this event at www.data-visualization-healthcare.com or visit our LinkedIn group page and download the event guide that we posted. For today, I am even more excited to introduce you all to the first official patient experience professional that we've had here on our podcast. Today's guest is Tony Land. At the time of this recording, Tony was the Director of Patient Experience for Greenville Health System, where she was responsible for the strategic design and organizational implementation of a patient-centric plan that delivers the desired patient and family experience. She is a nurse by trade with a Master's in Business Administration from North Greenville University and a Patient Experience Certification through the Barrow Institute. Tony has more than 30 years of experience in healthcare, these experiences have ranged from inpatient pediatrics and adult care to leadership and home care, nurse educator, nurse manager, and manager of outpatient oncology clinics. These experiences have provided a multi-lens view of the many touch points in healthcare, and these lenses, along with a passion to engage families in their care and in an effort to obtain better outcomes, took her officially into the wonderful world of patient experience. Here in episode number 51, Tony opens our show with a great leadership mindset to respect the old while you explore the new. Tony walks us through her career path going from bus driver to nursing and into the world of patient experience. She shares with us a career dark moment connected with moving too fast on a project and committing a major project oversight. Tony highlights how she uses roundtable discussions to build stronger connections across the teams that she leads. Tony shares with us her personal aha moment to better discern what a situation looks like, sounds like, and feels like. Tony reveals her best career advice to get out of the boat, and you'll see how she continues to apply that advice to challenge herself. And this is exemplified perfectly because since the time of our recording, Tony has moved forward in her career, now serving in the position of Chief Experience Officer with Medical Center Healthcare System. Tony, I appreciate you so much for sharing your time, your wisdom, and incredible passion for positively impacting the patient experience. 
quality people sit back and enjoy this incredible conversation with Tony. And I truly hope that her words and focus inspires you as much as she inspires me. Have a productive week, everyone. And we will be back next week with another quality guest. Thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today I'm here with my friend, Tony Land. Tony, are you ready to share with some quality people? Absolutely. I'm ready. Wonderful. So, Tony, we love to get the show started with some positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So I would love for you to please share your favorite leadership quote or mindset, but also tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on a daily basis? So I think one of my favorite, and I'm going to say a favorite mindset, um, is around respect the old but explore the new. And so I feel like I try to use this mindset every day. Um, I constantly look at um, what are the foundational pieces? What are the, the good basics that we've always done out there? What needs to stay? What needs to go away? And then um, really being able to be curious and explore what have we not done before? What's out there that no one's done before? And, um, you know, how do we embark on that and how do we explore the new? So I would say that's my mindset on a, on a daily basis. All right, that's wonderful. And I, I appreciate that because it, it makes me think from a quality process improvement point of view, um, that old saying, you know, as we go into projects, that saying because we've always done it that way, just we can't work off of that. So um, that's kind of that undertone that I heard with that. I've never heard it kind of detailed the way you shared it, but that's what your mindset, you know, brings to mind for me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That can be such a huge barrier when we hear those words from a team. So how do we get them past respecting? And some of those good basics do need to stay and respecting that, but then getting them to that point of exploring the possibilities and the new. All right, wonderful. I love it. So, Tony, let's get into some of the show questions. And I, I first, I, I got to start with saying thank you for coming on to the show. But at least uh, for our listeners to even share how, I guess, I ended up getting you to come on to the show because it was, um, you, you're a listener of some of the previous podcast episodes and you shot me a note saying, hey, we need patient experience um, professionals to also come on to the show. And I was, of course, like, done. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> so thank you uh, so much for, for the thoughts around patient experience. I had been looking for some professionals um, with your similar background, um, but would love for you to share with our quality people, you know, your current role, what is your official professional background, and what led you into your current career path? Okay, so I am currently Director of Patient Experience for Prisma Health. Um, based out of Greenville, South Carolina. So professionally, I have been a nurse for over 30 years. I actually started off as a diploma graduate and eventually uh, went back and got my BSN and my master's and I'm actually certified in patient experience. Um, so throughout my career, one of the, you know, the benefits and great things about healthcare is the versatility and variety out there. So I've done everything from starting off in, in pediatrics and that love around children and, and families started off there, but I've also worked in home care and a pediatric surgeon's office. I managed a Peds Hemoc clinic prior to getting into really a true um, operational improvement department. 
and we were really working on new models, new nursing models and team models for inpatient units. And that really led me into a group of us working specifically on behaviors that would impact the patient experience. And for me, I felt like it. everything in my journey had really led up to the work that I do now, being able to see such a wide variety throughout healthcare and the impact that it has on our patients and families and actually on you know the actual team members and employees also. That's wonderful. And Tony, I want to dig into your your background a little bit deeper and professional training just a little bit deeper. Um, I'm I'm a man of uh, many certifications. Um, I I just have plotted my career path out in a way that, you know, every year I, I pursue something and I attain a different certification or some form of professional development. But I am not familiar with one of your designations, so I would love for you to maybe share some more some more information for our listeners. But the Certified Patient Experience Professional, the CPXP, um, what's yeah. that all about? Share share you know what's that process and how do you even pursue that? Right. So it is a newer certification out there as patient experience has become uh, more and more prominent in the body of work throughout the you know throughout the country. And so it is through the Barrow Institute, um, which is one of the primary organizations for patient experience and those who who live in this work every day. So it is a true certification exam. Um, You sit for that exam. It is a two-year renewal. And like most certifications, there are requirements there in place prior to being able to sit for that exam, a certain number of years experience in the work. Um, recommendations from leaders who have engaged with you um, in patient experience work prior to sitting for the exam, but it is through the Barrow Institute. Okay, that, that's it's so funny. I think how a lot of this came together then because to that question. Uh, well, to the um, to to the focus with um, even that exam because right around the same time you sent me the message about getting a patient experience professional on the show. Um, and, and which I turned around and invited you. I had actually just sat in on a presentation with um, Dr. Jason Wolf from the Barrel yeah. Institute, and uh, I just did not connect two and two, I guess. Um, so from the Barrel Institute, and that was my first time really learning more about their vision around patient experience. And then I got the note from you, but uh, I never. I wasn't familiar, at least with the certification through them. So that's that's awesome stuff to to officially get you on and share that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, so Tony, I've been calling the next question kind of our dark place question. And what I'd love for you to do is take us on a journey through your career and probably share with us one of the worst moments that you've had as a healthcare leader, healthcare professional, and really take us into that moment. Share, you know, some of the details of, the, of that scenario, but definitely some of the decision processes that you were going to try to uh, turn that moment around. Okay, so I had a time that we were working on a project to directly impact our frontline um, caregivers. We were looking at truly how do we, could we increase efficiency, um, provide more time for frontline caregivers to actually spend with their patients and their families versus so many of the challenges and barriers out there around um, you know, EHR and many other, m- other components out there. So we were 
I mean, so we worked on this project several, several months, everything from time studies, um, you know, reviewing and analyzing that data, what's the current state assessment, um, what should the future look like, how do we then design and develop um, for the future, what's the education, so put whole module together, you know, around this project with um, implementation tools and education tools and um, job aids, you know, all those resources that we look for when we're looking to um, implement a project. And we knew it was good work. I mean, it was going to improve the efficiency of the team members to be able to spend time with their patients and families and, um, you know, be able to enhance that care that they were providing. So we went to roll out the project and got major you know, pushed back, pushed back from, from the team members and um, didn't have the buy-in from them. And, and as you can imagine, then when you have those barriers around rolling something out, then sustaining it is, is just, as, just as challenging. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we went back to see, you know, where did we miss it? What was our barriers here? And I think, Initially, one of the things that we could have done differently, and this has been several years ago, good 10, 15 years ago now, is we didn't include the people who were actually doing the work. And um, you know that was, that was a miss for us, and definitely something I, I learned quickly and um, took that one away from me with me as I work on other projects to include the people, representation of the people who were actually doing the work. And I think that project would have um, would have rolled out much differently had we had we taken the time to include them. Well, let me ask. So, in a situation like that, um, and I've had some of those similar situations. I'm sure I may have even shared some already through some of our previous episodes. But what what do you would you contribute? Maybe have led to overlooking some of the key team members. But like, if you could go back in time. And, and be just that that voice, that angel on your own shoulder. What would you share with yourself at that time to um, to clue, you know, give yourself the clues that you're leaving groups out, you know, on accident, of course. But how how do you kind of self correct in those those situations moving forward? Yeah, I think you know, if I were telling myself back then, I would have told myself to slow down, <laughs> um, you know, just to take a pause and really evaluate all the people who are around the table. Do I have representation of the groups that are actually in there every day doing the work? Um, even what committees or groups of people that already meet on a regular basis do I need to be in front of to engage in the work that we're doing? What groups are already out there and how do I engage that way, even if it's not someone who's at the table all the time, then how do I go to them, you know, where they are and engage in their meeting, get time on their agenda and still be able to get their voice and their input. Um, so yeah, you're right, unintentional, but I think if we're not intentional and truly even now, if I'm working on a project, you know, one of my line items is to evaluate, do we have the right people around the table? Um, and really for the group to have a discussion around that. 
All right, wonderful. And a similar, similar part on my story, um, one of my first projects when I first entered into the healthcare industry back in 2007, we had a really big project going, left our financial advisors out of the process that we were working on, um, had great success operationally for the process, but then our director for finance came to my office and asked me why we were about $50,000 short on collections that month. And that was my big aha moment. So um, a similar takeaway, you know, I made sure that, you know, a full stakeholder analysis was a part of my projects from that point moving forward. But that was, that was kind of my experience. Uh, any, any lasting takeaways just from your experience there or how you pull your projects together now moving forward that you want our listeners to kind of take away from your story? I think what you just said is making sure that, and, and for me, it is a regular practice to have that line item around, do we have the right people around the table? Um, knowing that that's going to impact every single aspect of it from design to championing, you know, it's going to go much smoother when we have those people around the table. And I think sometimes even midstream, if we see that the project's taking a little different direction or maybe we have some additions to the project, then I think we should pause and say, do we still have the right representation, you know, around the table? Uh, that's a great point too. I love that, you know, when the scope starts to change and different parts of the project environment change, taking the time out. So great point, I love that. All right, so Tony, let's dig out of the dark place and move on to uh, a better question, a more engaging question, but kind of in the similar mindset of some of those follow-ups, but, I would love for you to give our quality people one tip or a tool or a tactic that you found works really well for building up those intimate connections within project teams that you've led. Um, and again, share with us what it is and how do you apply it? Okay, so for me, this is an important one. I mean, we have our, our tactics and our process that we go through for many, when we're implementing many projects that sometimes we forget about really bonding that team and pulling that team together. So um, for me, I love connecting people back to their why. So I love asking the teams and we usually will round table that may be in one meeting and it may be a series of meetings. Um, so that way we don't take up a whole meeting agenda um, just to um, have that conversation around the why. So we may divide that up. But I really ask them to share how they got into healthcare. What was their journey? What got them here? And I think it helps us, one, we get to know a little bit about each other around the table. And also when the work gets really hard and we know that the work's gonna get hard, then it's a way for the team to refocus on, on purpose. And while we choose a profession where we get up every day, you know, to go in and serve other people. So I was recently in with a group and um, I started asking some to share, I saw about three people in the room to share their why and their journey and why they gotten into healthcare. And one of the physicians around the table shared that when he was younger, he had a friend that got diagnosed with cancer. And so he saw his friend go through this journey and it was his best friend. And so many times he would go to the hospital with his friend, especially if he had to be in, um, you know, several days. He would try to go every day and spend time with him. And he saw all these doctors and nurses coming and going and all the um, things they were doing to try to save his, his friend. And um, he said he knew from that moment that he wanted to be a doctor. 
And so then when things get hard, remembering that it was those things that propel us and prompt us. So that's one of my favorite ways to, to connect teams to purpose. All right, so Tony, I'm giving you the heads up on this one. I am about to go way off script, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, so I, I love that. I love that connection point. And um, I, I've shared in the past that on projects, you know, one of the ways that I, you know, try to pull teams together is I, I have a picture of my grandmother that I'll um, use in the middle of a project meeting and, you know, just really get folks to center all of our solutions to meet the needs of my grandmother and not, you know, really take the focus away from themselves. But I love what you shared in terms of a why, you know, and that, that I imagine has to get your teams to open up, to be vulnerable, to kind of share parts of themselves. And like you said, it, it pulls them together. It really achieves the goal of those intimate connections. But I would love for you to share an intimate connection with our listeners on the podcast and share with us your why for some of the things that you're doing with your career path and healthcare focus. Because um, we, we did share during the, um, during the pre-conversation, pre-show conversation that you've had an experience from um, working in the fast food industry to working as a bus driver in, in the education industry, and now you're a healthcare leader. So would love for you just to take a second and maybe share your why. What drives you? Okay, okay. So, uh, so just as you said, as we talked before the podcast started, you know, I have done my, done my time driving a school bus and working at McDonald's. So part of kind of that backstory is I was raised by my great-grandmom and my great-aunt. And so my great aunt suffered from severe depression, um, would have periods of time where maybe she didn't leave the house for, you know, several months at a time. And my grandmom was a diabetic, um, bilateral amputee. And so I really kind of grew up taking care of people. And I don't even think I realized it at the time, you know, it's just what I did. Um, so I, you know, forever, like I said, my grandma was a diabetic, so I had forever been pulling up insulin syringes and, and putting them in the refrigerator so that she would be able to give herself her insulin injection. So it wasn't really until I came home and, um, I was working at McDonald's, you know, driving a school bus and, and had a boyfriend actually that went into the hospital with kidney stones. And, um, I see all these nurses coming in and out. And that was probably kind of my aha time. I was like, you know, I think I, I think I could actually be one of those people. And so um, I literally applied to nursing school the next day and was accepted and have started my journey now, you know, over 30 years later. But it was really my, my upbringing and caring around my, my great grandma and my great aunt that got me into serving and caring for people all the time. No, that, that's phenomenal. And I appreciate you going with me on that question there. Um, you know, you made the connection as you shared some of your, your prior um, work experience with me that from driving, you know, the school buses to working at McDonald's to now the, the work that you're doing in healthcare, it all revolved around service and meeting people where they were. Those are your words. And um, I appreciate you sharing your additional why there. Um, that incredible motivation. So I, I completely um, just uh, applaud you for that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. 
All right. So, Tony, moving us to the next question, I would love for you to take us to one of the best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare professional, but then really walk us through that moment. Like, when did that idea strike you? Then how did you also turn it into a professional or a personal success? So I'm going to start with um, one of the things that my team, they would probably smile if they heard me saying this. Um, I often say, people will quote me, what does it look like, sound like, and feel like? And that came about for me because of my aha moment as I was working with different teams and I'm out there and I'm seeing things that should be standard work that does not look standard everywhere I go. Um, it's, you know, implemented and practiced different at different facilities, different practices, different departments by different people. Um, and so I went to try to figure out why is it not standard, truly standard the way we think standard work should look. So I tried to start to think of what's a simple but holistic way to be able to communicate that not only for myself, but if I can do it for myself, I can articulate it to others. And so that's kind of how I landed on what does it look like, sound like, and feel like. And so when we are working on a project, and especially as we're working on um, implementation and rollout, um, I will go through and my team will go through truly defining what it looks like, sounds like, and feels like. So an example, if I'm talking about an inpatient unit and we're talking about safe handoff of care, then we want to be able to effectively articulate what does that look like? So what are my expectations around if I, if I see it happening on that unit? I want to know what's the conversation. So what does it sound like? And feel like, to me, makes it holistic from that patient family perspective. They're going to feel safer, um, cared for, that we're working together as a team. And as a team member, there's a fulfillment in the work that I'm providing and the, the care and communication that I'm providing. So. I think when I've done those things, people have a clear vision of what's expected of them. Then my accountability um, is higher because I can actually go out and give some feedback on, yes, it was performed the way we expected, um, or there was a miss there. And here's your opportunity for improvement. No, I, I love that. And I, I'm glad you shared the additional example. I was going to ask for one, but um, I'm going to go ahead and take credit for giving you this idea. If you guys don't already have it in place, I feel like you need some really cool infographics behind that. What does it look like? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, say it again. Look like. <laughs> what does it look like, sound like, and feel like? Sound like and feel like. I was about to say taste like. So that's why I was like, what? Well, <laughs> no, I didn't say taste. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, so I mean, I, I really see that as being a pretty awesome um, campaign, all about experience. So that that connects, I think, definitely with the the vision of the work that I see you leading um, for for Prisma. So awesome, I love it. Thank you. Next question I have for you, Tony: What are some current changes taking place across the healthcare industry that you're excited about right now, and what role do you see quality professionals and patient experience professionals? playing to promote it or to support its longevity? So if I think right off, um, I think probably what excites me the most is the use of technology. So I do like a good piece of technology and I feel like if we have it, then let's maximize it. And so um, 
we have an opportunity, I think, to impact and influence healthy behaviors through the use of the technology, even through our cell phones. So um, I have four children between the ages of 21 and 29. And as you can imagine, they have their cell phones all of the time. Um, as you know, as do I, I use my cell phone very frequently also. So I think we are now really starting as healthcare organizations to really learn how we can use, whether it's texting or whether it's social, social media to really engage people in being healthier, actually. Um, whether that's nudges around exercise, whether that's nudges around nutrition, whether that's nudges around emotional, uh, emotional health. Um, but I think we are, are starting to embrace how we can how we can actually use that. Well, and so I, I love the technology focus. I'm, I'm curious just because, you know, you're over in South Carolina, I'm in Atlanta, but, you know, between, you know, the, the path that it would take for me to get from Atlanta to, to Greenville, there's a lot of rural areas in between. So I guess my, my thought, my question for you is how would you, I don't know, just go about connecting some of the folks who are in these these places with very few resources or all of the above with some of those technology thoughts. That's that's a question that's come up with some of the recent teams that I've been working with and I don't have a great answer so I'm just throwing it at you mm -hmm. just because. <laughs> yeah so I don't know that I have the answer either and I think you know when we look at rural health or in the health care for our rural communities um, we do see some of those barriers but I think so telehealth, we know, is, is one of the tools out there in order to, to help engage um, some of the rural population. But I think a lot of the data out there also shows us that many of our um, communities, even in the rural communities, have cell phones. When they don't have anything else around the technology, many of them have, have a cell phone. Um, in fact, I was just talking to a young man and he was actually, he was in Africa recently. And even there, that was the one thing that he was noticing, even in some of the communities that were impoverished, that um, their use of cell phones and the ability to use that piece of technology in order to help people be their best, live their best life and be their healthiest they can be. Wonderful. No, that is a great point. Um, and I, I think you're spot on with that observation. And that's maybe the best way to start connecting it. So I, I appreciate you going with me again on that. Like I said, I, I just just had the thought to throw it to you because I got stuck on it myself. But the cell phone use could be one of the triggers or connecting points, if nothing else. So wonderful. Um, Tony, how can the healthcare industry become a more attractive place for ambitious, talented, quality professionals? And, and again, just with your background, I want to throw in um, patient experience or service excellence professionals as well. But how can healthcare just become a really great place to uh, entice people to start their careers or to grow their careers if they're already here? So I think that, and I even think of myself even as a um, patient experience professional, that when we look at that, you know, the, the triad there of quality, safety, and experience, and how are we providing all three of those, knowing that, you know, quality and, and safety are our foundations there for any experience that we're providing for our families. Um, but I think as we embrace, I think that the challenge to change 
and really the challenge to our own change our own status quo then i think that's when we will be our most attractive attractive to others um, change is hard um, health care is hard work um, there's you know of course people and people's lives involved but i think our willing our willingness to kind of take on that challenge and say yes we know it's hard but we know it needs to change also so how do we embrace that change and um you know really challenge ourselves to grow i think that's when we'll be our most most appealing all right wonderful and are there any additional skills or levels of training that healthcare quality professionals or patient experience professionals should be considering i mean even um even down to certifications like yours are those things that we should have on our radar nowadays i think so i think you know whether it's a patient experience certification um i think having um knowledge and or certification around process improvement um, many of the lean principles that are out there and I would also say leadership principles and, and how to lead others, since so much of the work is truly working with the leaders that are leading their teams in, in doing the work and how do we really engage those leaders. So I think those are some of the skills if we, as we are all continuing to grow because it's a never ending process, um, those are some good areas to focus on. All right. Wonderful. I love it. And Tony, I'm, I'm happy to tell you, you're about at the halfway point, but you're doing great. You're knocking it out of the park. But I want to go ahead and move us into what we call the two minute drill, sort of our rapid fire Q&A. But I always love to do a pulse check and make sure you're ready to go. Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm ready to go. All right. Wonderful. Well, uh, first question I have for you, Tony, is a two parter, but I would love for you to tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best and then share with us how do you inspire others within your organization so i think what inspires me in my current role to do my best is really the the team i work with i get to work with a group of people who are truly patient-centered they look for every opportunity to put that patient voice in the room or at the table um, even my data analyst, as we're working on goals, and he says, you know, let's really be considerate of the metric that we're using. We want to make sure it represents our patient's voice. And I get to work with people like that. And so um, that inspires me to, to do my best. Um, the second part of that question, how do I inspire others? I'm a big believer of walking the talk, um, of being honest and authentic and um i would say vulnerable and courageous and as i engage with other people and i think that gains respect and trust as i as i hope to lead and inspire others all right wonderful i love those answers and what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received so it's along those lines of um stepping out of your comfort zone so it is career advice, but for me, it started at a young age and it was actually a spiritual mentor. It was one of the old ladies at my church and, um, you know, she was mentoring me. Um, it was right after I got out of high school. And one of the things she said to me is, you know, Tony, Jesus isn't in the boat. I can like see her little head nodding. Um, he was out walking on the water. So if you want to be like him, you got to get out of the boat. 
But for me, that has come up, become an encouragement for me um, professionally. So I don't stay in my comfort zone. I am looking for what's that next step? How do I really push myself, challenge myself, and challenge challenge my team? So for me, it's um, that thought around, you know, getting out of the boat. <laughs> I love it only because my uh, my grandmother says the same. You got to get out the boat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I can connect with that. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> Tony, this is a kind of a new question that I've added to the show, but um, I'm having fun with it so far. But would love for you to share if you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be and why? Okay, wow. Um, <laughs> so for me, it would be someone in innovation. Because I, I mean, if I think of what really gets me, you know, excited and almost giddy, um, is when I have that opportunity to be creative and design and explore the possibilities. And so I think to work in innovation would, would be the coolest. All right. Awesome. And uh, next question. I'm sorry. I lost track of my questions there. I was still like, man, I, I like this question. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still learning and kind of assessing how, if it's a good fit for the show, but I, I personally, I just love it. So um, sorry. Yeah. I got caught in my own thoughts there. <laughs> Uh, next question I have for you, Tony. Um, could you please share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading uh, quality improvement initiatives? So I would say assess and reassess. Talk to the teams that are doing the work. Talk to the recipients of the work. So if I'm doing work that involves the frontline caregivers, talk to them. Um, and talk to patients and families that are receiving what, what's being done. Um, so just that remembering to be holistic, looking at the, the quantitative and the qualitative data, knowing that both pieces of that data will give us give me a clear picture. All right, I love it. And Tony, what is your go-to website or mobile application for executing on the work that you lead? So I would say it's gonna probably be two I, I referenced the most, and one is the Barrow Institute. I do go there um, for the listserv, you know, connecting with my peers on work that's being done, what are current best practices out there, white papers. So I do use the Barrow Institute site um, regularly. And just as I mentioned earlier about leadership from a leadership perspective, so I really enjoy Dan Rockwell, the leadership freak. Um, he just has such practical tips on um, leadership and leading. So um, I, I reference his, his site and his blog quite a bit. Oh, interesting. I appreciate that. I, I'm not familiar, so I will probably uh, be checking that out right after this show. So thank you. Yeah, you should do that. All right. And can you please share with our quality people one professional society and one professional conference that you think would be a value add? Professionally, especially because I live in patient experience, I would go with the Barrow Institute again. Um, and if I think of probably the conference I've been to most recently that I have found the most valuable and would be actually the Press Ganey National Conference. Um, I feel like I've gotten everything from data analytics to behaviors to employ in a medical practice to 
displaying star ratings around our physicians and providers. So it's been very holistic and that's probably my most valuable conference. All right, wonderful. And uh, the Barrel Institute, at least, is the first time that's been recommended on the show. And like I said, I, I've been starting to research and learn more since um, attending a, a presentation by Dr. Wolf. So, I, I mean, Tony, if anything, I think you're breaking the mold on our patient experience focus for the show. And um, hopefully we'll get some more great professionals just like you or hopefully even someone from the uh, Barrel Institute to come on and and just to keep pushing this focus with our quality people. So again, thank you uh, for both of those recommendations. Um, Prescani is obviously a leader as well with patient satisfaction. So uh, wonderful, yeah. wonderful on both ends. Now, if you could recommend one uh, book to our quality people, what would it be and why? Okay, so I'm a bit of a nerd and I usually keep a couple <laughs> of books going, fiction and nonfiction. So if I have to choose one, I'm probably going to go with Dare to Lead, Brene Brown, my fave, one of my faves. Um, and I just love her work around vulnerability and courage. And so I think as a leader, those are skills that we continually grow or I continually grow and, and enhance in my own leadership style, but I do think those things are also necessary in order to change. We have to be vulnerable and we have to have the courage to get out of the boat. I'll go back to that. Um, and so I, I love her body of work. All right, and um, as you know, of course, we've had uh, Dr. Saria Sacosio on the show already, one of your colleagues yes. over there. And yeah. I, I wanna say, I believe, I know for sure she is a Brene Brown just fanatic. Um, and, <laughs> She may have shared the very same book recommendation. So there, there must be something in the water over there um, in Greenville with exceptional leaders and, and Brene Brown. So I, I love the consistency going. <laughs> uh, last question that I have for you, um, but Tony, just to, to let you know, this is um, kind of the, the icing on top of the cake of all of the questions I've asked you today. But uh, would love to really get you to reflect on your past while having you look forward to your future. So my question is, if you were able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future, take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? Okay, so in the first one, um, when I'm texting back to myself, I would say, Take chances earlier. Failure's gonna happen. Expect it. It's only a chapter in your book. It's not the whole book. Hmm. That's what I tell myself. Well, now, I like that message. It's only a chapter. It's not the whole book. That's um, I, I love that quote. That's that's gonna definitely pop up in our show notes. And so, in my future, I would tell myself, age is only a number keep going, you can still make a difference for others. All right. I love it. I love it. And of course, now I have the Aaliyah song playing in my head. Age ain't nothing but a number, right? <laughs> but, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but no, no, I, I love both of those messages. I, I think those are very, very insightful, very reflective as um, as you were to, to send those messages out. So 
Um, thank you for the messages, uh, Tony. Thank you for the entire show. Again, I'm, I'm so glad that you emailed me your note that you did just around patient experience um, and getting, you know, folks specific to that profession. I mean, it's a it's connected with quality and process improvement, absolutely. And so I really got excited when I saw your message. And um, hopefully you are the first of many more experienced uh, patient experience professionals we pull on. But um, Tony, I would love to end the show with you giving our quality people and hopefully some more patient experience people um, a, a parting piece of advice and then share with us the best way that they can follow you or connect with you through social media and then we'll officially sign off. Okay. Um, so my parting piece of advice. So I would say all best practices start somewhere, so why not with me? Um, step out and you know try the creative idea. You know get out of the boat. As long as our quality and safety is a non-negotiable, you know who knows we might just have the next best practice. Love it. So if people are trying to connect with me on social media, um, I Tony Land on LinkedIn. Um, if you're on Twitter, it's Tony underscore Land. All right, wonderful. And again, Tony, thank you so much for um, all of your words of wisdom. Thank you so much for your time just to, to come onto the show and share. Um, to our quality people out there everywhere, thank you so much for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis Gray signing off. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.